0: You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast. It is Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019, and I'm your host, John B. from gangrenenation.com. Over the last few weeks, I've gotten a few emails that I've really enjoyed reading where people tell me that they enjoy hearing my perspective, but they disagree with me on something like the Adam Gaze higher, where I'm not that high on it and other people like it a little bit better and I really enjoy getting those emails because I want this show to be like the opposite of first take I really hate a lot of the things in the sports media landscape where it's like you, you say something anybody disagrees with you're automatically an idiot and there's no other like I want this to be an open discussion where you listen to my opinion and you know even if you don't agree with me I hope you at least consider what I have to say and I hope this show makes you think a little bit, so thank you to everybody who sent me those messages um, over the last few weeks. And you know, today, I'm going to offer some thoughts on the Jets' coaching staff. Uh, there have been a few hires made, a few of the team has officially announced, and a few that have been reported to be on the horizon, and just be keeping in that tone where you know you talk about the sports media landscape. I don't want this to seem like the greatest thing in the world. I don't want it to seem like the worst thing in the world. You know, there are shades of gray in everything, and when a team makes a number of different moves, some are going to be good, some are going to be bad, and a lot of these moves will have good elements and bad elements, like the hiring of Adam Gaze. I mean, there are things I really don't like about it, and I'm not going to—look, I mean, I told you before the hire, before the Jets had hired Adam Gaze, that he was not a guy I thought would be a solid hire. So, how big of a jerk would I look like now if I came back and told started just telling you how great Adam Case is and how I think everything is just going to be perfect? I, I can't I can't do that. But there are good elements to this hire. I like his I like the way he designs his offense. I think that there are certain things that certain ways he'll be a good fit with Sam Darnold. So it's not all bad. It's not all bad, and people certainly can grow. You know, I think he may be able to learn from his experience in Miami some of the things he did not do so well. But I do have a number of reservations about this hire, and one of them has kind of emerged since the Jets made the hiring official. And it certainly does seem to me like the front office and the maybe the ownership wanted a big say in the coaching staff, the guy, the coaching staff of their eventual head coach, because you look at who the finalists were, and there were varying des- degrees of experience. There was one guy in college, there was one guy who won a Super Bowl. And It seems like they. Two sides, in both instances, both the Jets and the coaching candidate, kind of mutually decided that it was not a good fit. And a number of reports have suggested that a lot of it had to do with the Jets wanting a say, the front office wanting a say over the coaches these guys hired. And that does leave me with some reservations. And now, there are degrees of concern. I, I'm not go, standing at the top of the roof of my house screaming, the Jets are ruined because the, coach, because the front office wanted... Say over the coaching staff. You can Google guy who uh, you know. You you can Google it. Guy who stood on roof of house and screamed about the Jets demanding certain assistant coach hires. Police reports. You're not going to find my name on there if you Google that. That's not going to be maybe somebody else's. But I have a degree of concern over that. uh, Over that for a couple reasons and. I think a lot of these h- hires look solid on paper, and we'll get to some of the positives. But one of the things that worries me is that you know you're not just compiling names; you're building a team. It's, the coaching staff is a team, and you want the pieces to work together. And you've seen it—you see it all the time in sports. How sometimes—and we're you know sometimes it's in players, sometimes it's coaching staffs. You put the big names together; they don't always function great as a team. The sum some, sometimes is the sum of the parts is sometimes greater than the whole. The, the whole is sometimes less than the sum of the parts. And that is a little bit of a concern I have because it seems, again, it seems like some of these were arranged marriages, you know, based on some of the reports that, you, that you've heard, some of these hires do seem like they're kind of kind of um, heavily suggested by the Jets front office. And sometimes they work. You know, sometimes you just get the right mix of people together. But, you know, you you raise your odds of having trouble when you start forcing moves like, you know, we start forcing assistance on people, or at least strongly suggesting, if, you, if you're if you not 100% forcing a move on somebody, strongly suggesting that this will benefit you in your interview, that you'll have a better chance of getting the job if you agree to the, hire this p- specific staff. And I mean, look, I can give you plenty of ways that that could come into play. You know, you think about the way the offense and the defense mesh, you know, are you going to, you know, that's one of the big jobs of the head coach is to figure out what he wants to do in all three phases of the game because these things are interrelated. Do you want a defensive coordinator, for example, who system will run at who system will be revolve around the play of off ball linebackers? Those guys don't cost as much. So if your key players on defense are off ball linebackers and they, they're, you're asking them to cover a lot of ground, maybe ask your corners to do less, ask traditional, you know, Premium players on defense to do less and build your defense around guys who are valued less in the league than your typical star players. That means there's more money to spend on offense. On the other hand, maybe you think your offensive scheme is so good that you can work with lesser players and maybe save some money on offense, gets good results, and load up your cap space on defensive players. Another example might be just talking about game plans. You know, we talked on yesterday's show about the Patriots' game plan. You know, it's not always about what maximizes one, what the performance of one unit. Because on Sunday, the Patriots did not put together an offensive game plan that maximized their success on offense. They did not, they did not put, put together a game plan that was going to result in them scoring the most points. What they did was they put together a game plan that gave them the best chance to win the game, which meant, you know, even if it meant stifling their own offense for a little bit, keeping the ball away from the Kansas City offense and playing ball control early on to give themselves a chance to keep the game close into the fourth quarter. And then, you know, there are just the examples of you want people to work well together. You know, you don't want personality clashes. And, you know, those any work environment, I think, benefits when people are getting along, you know, when when people see eye-to-eye on things, when everybody's working toward the same goals where everybody, you know, meshes. So I think, you know, there's a little bit of a risk involved when you uh, start being heavy-handed in those areas. We've seen it in baseball where front, and other sports too, basketball, where front offices are taking more and more of a role in running the teams, and the head coach or the managers being de-emphasized. I'm not entirely sure that works as well in football, uh, but we'll see anyway. Th- th- that's a reservation I have before we start talking about some of the coaching hires the Jets have made, and we'll talk about those here on the Lockdown Jets podcast coming up. So I'm going to talk today about four hires, two have been made official by the Jets at the time of this podcast. Recording and two are strongly rumored. You know, you kind of feel like this is this is the direction the Jets will be heading, and um, you know, based based on the reports. So we'll start off with the defensive coordinator Greg Williams, who was a very popular hire. He just did a tremendous job with the uh, Cleveland Browns as their interim head coach, and I think it's a good hire. I I, I approve of this hire. I will say this: I think. People are maybe overstating it a little bit. Greg Williams is a solid coach. He's not among the, the great defensive minds currently existing in the NFL, or at least not, not a guy with that kind of track record, not that kind of resume. There have been some big ups. There have been some big downs. I think that you look at his work, and I, I mean that. I, I don't think he's been mediocre. I think he's been up and down. I would argue that when the Saints won the Super Bowl nine years ago, and we know all the bounty stuff was going on then, but when the Saints won the Super Bowl nine years ago, that was one of the most... He, the fact that Sean Payton hired him was one of the things that I think pushed that team over the top because the Saints had been a team that had not been living up to their potential because their defenses had not been that good. So I think he, he did a good job there. It was more recent work up till Cleveland this year. His defenses were kind of shaky. His defenses were really not that great. The performance was was not spectacular. But I'll tell you why I like this. And again, up and down, not, and that, that means up and down. That doesn't mean all bad. That means some good, some bad. I'll tell you some, some reasons I like this, though. Um... First of all, you know I think the Jets needed a guy with experience. With Gaze going to take a hands-on role on offense, you need a guy who, who's got a. You need you need you need a guy with a big persona. You know you need you needed a big-time hire on the defensive side of the ball. Gaze is going to be very. It seems like he's going to be very hands-off on the defense. Now, I, I worry is he's going to be too hands-off, but you know Gase is not going to be big on, on putting together this defense, which means you, you need a guy who really knows what he's doing, an experienced guy who you know really really can just run his defense without much supervision. You don't want a guy you know, I'm not I'd be a little hesitant to hire a young up and comer for this position where you're giving up you're giving so much authority, where you have so little oversight. So I like the fact you have a guy who's got experience and Williams has been around the league for a long time, but he's still open to new ideas. So I, I like that as well. And one of the things I like about his experience is that I feel like his experience means that he's going to be flexible because he's been around the league long enough, he understands different types of systems, and he's said it in the past, and you heard Jeff Lloyd talk about it last week when Jeff was on our podcast, when he, Jeff was the host of Locked On Browns, he told you a little bit about Greg, Greg Williams, and you know, people get hung up on this stuff, 3-4 versus 4-3, and Williams has said, you know, I'm not a 4-3 guy, I'm not a 3-4 guy, He said this stuff in the past, you know, he builds his defense around the talent he has, and I think part of that is he's got experience. Um, You know, I think you look around the league and you wonder why more coaches aren't more flexible, why they don't adapt well, why they don't make good adjustments in games, It's because they they don't have the experience. They only really know one type of system. Whereas a guy like Williams has been around the league for decades, has been exposed to all types of different systems. So he knows how to teach different systems, knows how to teach. Teach different defenses, and he's going to be multiple, and he's going to adapt his scheme to the players the Jets have, and I think that stuff's important. You know, I think to me, like one of the things that sets Belichick apart from everybody else is he's the one coach in the league who really is philosophically neutral. Most teams in this league, they say this is what we're going to do well. Belichick wants to do everything. Belichick wants to adapt based on his opponent, and the reason Belichick can do that is because Belichick has been studying schemes since he was a kid his father was a legendary scout he would he would study the x's and o's of the game so he understands every type of system so he can teach every type of system i don't think williams is that that advanced but he's much more advanced i think than a lot of people are you know williams has talked about how he he knows he has, he has all these types of defenses he can run and he'll adapt it based on his players because he, he knows how to teach different types of defense so i think that 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 makes him a good hire and second of all And I say this lovingly. I think Williams is kind of crazy. I think that's exactly what the Jets need. I think the Jets need a guy who's going to kick the kick these guys in the rear end. I think this is a defense that's been a little too lack of days as locker room that over the last few years has gotten a little too comfortable, a little too uh, happy with mediocrity. They need a guy who's going to you know and got you constant reports of guys missing meetings, you know things like that, just lack of discipline. They need a guy who's going to be a little fiery. He's going to go in there and kick kick some rear ends around. So I think that that's a, that's a good move. Now, you know, you have a couple of different personalities in that locker room, uh, just on the coaching staff. So, you know, will he mix well with gays? I don't know. But I think that this is a good fit for the Jets. I think it's probably not as great as people want to make it out to be, but I think it's a pretty good hire. I think he checks off a lot of boxes for me. So I think, I, you know, I think that this is, like I said, any hire has good some some good some bad my first hunch is that there's more good than bad with this hire now let's talk about the special teams coordinator this is a holdover from the Bulls uh coaching staff Brant Boyer and uh, I'd say similar to Williams look I I don't have any objections to this hire I think it's probably going to be a little overstated he deserved to come back I I think I don't think anybody could argue that Brant Boyer did not deserve to come back but I will say this um his unit was excellent last year. we will say this. A year ago, if Todd Bowles is fired, I don't think a lot of people are pounding the table for Brant Boyer to come back. You have to remember there were pretty much two bad years against one good year. His first two years were not good. And this really good year, and the Jets were one of the best special teams units in the league in 2018, you do have to remember that they got a couple unsustainable performances, performances that I don't think are going to be replicated by Jason Myers and Andre Roberts. So those are things to consider. All said and done, though, I mean, this is—I you cannot tell me that this is an awful decision to bring Brant Boyer back. I mean, if, based on the success that team had a year ago, I always think it's good to bring back one or two guys to kind of help with the transition, anyway. So I think this was a smart holdover. Again, it's probably not as great as it's made out to be, but still, I think—I—I—I I, I think you'd have a tough time objecting to this move. I, I really do. Now let's talk about a couple coaches who are rumored to be coming to the Jets. And we'll talk to the offensive line coach. It's the first announced or the first rumored position coach hire. And it's Frank Pollock, who comes to the Jets after spending one year with the, the Bengals. Before that, he spent a number of years with the Cowboys. Prior to that, it was with the Texans, the Raiders, coached at Northern Arizona in college for a couple of years. And I am cautiously optimistic with this hire. I think that when we're talking position coaches... Offensive line coach might be the one area where a coach can make a big difference. Um, I think uh, you look at the way where the NFL is right now. I mean, the NFL, people talk about the offensive line crisis, how teams are having a tough time developing offensive linemen. And for me, what that means is I want a guy with a proven track record in there, a veteran coach, because I I don't want to risk handing this off to a less experienced guy. Um, I, so I think that this is a smart hire, at least on paper. And you know, all these—it's always tough to judge these coaches when there are other stops. But you know, on paper, I think this this is a good hire for that reason. So this is a guy who's been part of building a good offensive line in Dallas, a great offensive line in Dallas. Even though you know, he was probably he was the assistant offensive line coach um, when the Cowboys' offensive line really kicked it into high gear, but he helped sustain it for a number of years. Um, you know, based on what I've read from Bengals fans, it sounds like Bengals fans are upset to lose the guy. And look, you always look at what the, the last fan base said. Is the last fan base upset that this guy left, or are they happy this guy left? In this case, it seems like the Bengals fans were upset to lose this guy even though he was only there a year. So you know, I think all around this makes sense. You know, you get a guy with experience in a, in a position where you know the league is having a tough time developing people. You, you you want a guy who knows what he's doing. You don't want some amateur in there. You don't want this to be amateur hour. So that, that's a hire that makes sense to me. Now that said... Look, we all know how bad the Jets have done on the offense. The Jets have made some very bad decisions on the offensive line um, under this uh, front office. So the Jets need to get better players in here. They need to invest in this. And they, I mean, they've invested a lot of money in the offensive line. They just made poor decisions. They need to get better players in here. I'm not sure how much Pollock's going to change things if the Jets don't get better players in here. Because you look at this offensive line... Look What they're bringing back, I mean, there are a lot of veteran players. So, but if they can invest, if they can find some young players with talent, I think this is the type of guy who can mold them. It's a matter. But uh, the first step is they got to get better players. they got to make better decisions on the offensive line. The personnel along the offensive line has just been, not been good enough. Um, so that's got to improve. If they do find good players, though, I think they, they've put themselves in a position to take advantage of that with this offensive line coaching hire. And finally, the uh, the other rumor is, I, I think his name is Dowell Loggins. It's tough to pronounce, tough to tell how you pronounce that. I'm familiar with him because I, I, you know, I've heard of him. I just haven't heard many people pronounce his name in the past. I've read read plenty about him. I've watched his offenses, um, and you know, the Dolphins finally, I guess, released him to speak to other teams because now they know he's not. I don't know why they didn't release him to speak to other teams earlier, but um, and to me. The other three hires I, I like. I think the other three guys all make sense. I think Williams is solid. I think Boyer's solid. Pollock's solid. This is the one I have an issue with. And, you know, I was listening last week to Brian Bassett's podcast. Brian, of course, was the former uh, guy who was in charge of the Jets blog, and he now has a, a podcast. He was a guest on our show the day Adam. The day we found out Adam Gaze was hired And one of his co-hosts had a great line where he said something like, why are the Jets obsessed with hiring offensive coaches who worked with Jay Cutler? You had Jeremy Bates, you have Adam Gase, and now you have Loggins, who also coached Jay Cutler in Chicago. Uh, So, I mean, I don't uh, really – it's just kind of one of those funny quirks, I guess. But to me, if this is the hire, and it has not been officially announced at the time of this podcast is recorded – I think it would be a missed opportunity. Now, one thing I have to say is Gaze sounds like he's going to take a significant role in this offense. So this hire is not as important as Greg Williams is on the defense, where they're going to be running the Williams defense. The Jets are going to be running the Gaze offense. That said, I think people who are saying that this hire is irrelevant are incorrect, because if it didn't matter, why would they even hire anybody? You know, Gaze will take take an active role in the offense. He'll probably design the playbook. He'll call plays on game day, but... The offensive coordinator is still going to have a role in this. Still going to have a role in game planning. Uh, You know, game planning is important because you know there are only a handful. You know, your, your your playbook has hundreds of plays, and only a small percentage of those make it onto your call sheet on Sunday. So you only go into a game with a small percentage of your playbook on the on the table. The game planning is deciding which. Of the which of those plays you're going to run, you decide. The guy who's the play caller decides when they're run, but the guy who game plans decides which plays you're going to run. So that's important. Help helping to prepare, helping to implement the system. And to me, so there, this guy is going to have some responsibilities. And this is not just a guy who's not been successful. You get the feeling he's not that well respected. You know, you get the feeling he's not thought of that highly around the league. Um, I, I feel like there this was a missed opportunity. There were a couple different ways they could have gone. You look at what Freddie Kitchens has done in Cleveland, where Kitchens obviously comes from an offensive background, but he brought in Todd Monken as his offensive coordinator. So you could get another mind in there, another bright offensive mind, and Gaze and he could bounce ideas off each other and kind of elevate each other's game. That would be one way to go. The other way to go would be get a young up-and-coming guy who has fresh ideas, some energy, because it's the opposite of what you have on defense. On defense, you really needed an experienced hand because that guy's going to have so much on his plate with with Gaze not playing a big role in the de- in the defense. On offense, it's it's the total opposite. You have Gaze, who's going to be a steady hand, you'd hope, as a veteran offensive coach. So you can bring in a younger guy, kind of mold a young up and comer. And I feel like this is just an opportunity that they could have gone a number of different directions with this hire. I hope they will. I hope that uh, Loggins is not the eventual hire. If he is, I I think it would be a poor decision. Um, You know, you look at, and I'll give you the example you, you can use. People talk about how you know this coordinator doesn't hire, and I just told you. Know, I told you ways it could matter because the, this coordinator may not be as hands-on as some of his counterparts across the league, but he still will have a role. Look at Rex Ryan bringing Mike Patton in to em- implement his defense versus. Todd Bowles bringing in Casey Rogers to implement his defense. The quality of the coordinator still matters, even when your coach is taking an active role on that side of the ball. And I'd even say, you know, Mike Pettin, Rex Ryan versus Dennis Thurman for Rex Ryan, because I think the defense did drop off a little bit once Pettin left. Pettin's an excellent coach. Yeah. Um, Casey Rogers is not. I think Thurman is not as good as Petten. So these things do matter. Um, so I wish, the, I hope the Jets will go in a different direction if they do end up with Logins, I think it will, it will be a missed opportunity and that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I think three of these potential, h- potential hires have me pretty happy. One does not. That's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And please leave the show a good review on iTunes if you do enjoy. Hope you have a great Wednesday. We'll be back again tomorrow and we'll talk some more Jets.